Willkommen, this is Julia. And this is Shane. And this is Think Plant-Based. Think Plant-Based. Make sure to check out recipes, health tips, travel tips at www.thinkplantbased.com. And we're officially on iTunes, so please rate and write us a review on iTunes. Write us a review. Give us... Two stars, three stars, maybe five stars. Let us <laughs> oh, know. For sure, five. Us, yeah, I mean, who would give us two stars anyways, yeah. right? But yeah, make sure to do that because that's how we get found. Looking for amazing vegan vitamins? Hate swallowing pills like I do? Try Herbaland gummies. Get 15% off all orders when using discount code THINKPLANTBASE15 at checkout. Make sure to head over to Herbaland.com. That is H-E-R-B-A-L-A-N-D.com. Let's get started. So we're back here again. We are with yeah, Dr. Khan. With none other than Dr. Khan. How's it going today? Grazie, grazie. Grazie, <laughs> <laughs> so great to have you yeah, yeah please tell the listeners how like yeah more about yourself yeah how sure. you People became vegan know you. you know your vegan story because i mean we see you in public but we don't really know your vegan story mm -hmm. i'm a world explorer i'm standing in my medical office about two miles from where i grew up so a world explorer but i did wander united states for medical training and have been joyfully around the world quite a bit, uh, lecturing and uh, eating vegan treats because I've been vegan for 44 years, a little longer than many, not a world record and not trying to set a world record, but uh, <laughs> the is I grew up in a home in suburban Detroit, uh, just near here, that we kept Jewish dietary laws called keeping kosher, very ethical, kind laws, but it included eating meat that was properly slaughtered and prepared. But... I honored that. It was just part of the family tradition. And when I uh, went up to Ann Arbor, Michigan, about 45 minutes away to attend at age 18, an undergrad medical school combined program, much like they do in Europe, but a little unusual in the United States. The first week in the dormitory, great salad bar, lots of food that I wouldn't eat by my religious rules and also wouldn't eat by the gray, ugly manner of the food. Nothing like my mother ever made at home. So I stopped eating animal products at age 18. The dormitory was the kick in the butt. I read a few books along the way. I was in medical school, so I was curious about were there any known health benefits? And you could find uh, people that had pioneered like Mr. Nathan Pritikin. And I'm talking, I entered medical school in 1977. So that was before Dean Ornish. That was before Dr. Esselstyn. That was before Dr. Barnard and before Dr. McDougall published data. So, you know, there weren't a lot of highlights. Then John Robbins came out with a book called A Diet for a New America. But that was the early 80s and made a big impact or to kind of cement uh, that there's an ethical side, there's a, a health side, and then there is an environmental part to all of this, which is a great thing to be able to do with just one decision, eat plants, don't eat animals, and you're done. What uh, Mr. Rogers, if anybody remembers the great Mr. Rogers on TV said, don't eat anything that poops. That's a nice little rule. <laughs> Is that what he oh, said? He said that? <laughs> that was Mr. Yeah. Rogers? There's many T-shirts that have oh, wow. his name. 
quote. You know, it's a little simpler than the official definition of the British Vegetarian Vegan Society of 1944. That is a beautiful statement about not to use animals for our benefit for food or for other purposes. It's a great way, but I like Mr. Rogers. Uh, it's simple. Uh, yeah. We all should add that T-shirt to our collection. Don't eat anything that poops. No doubt. And here, 44 years later, I've been a cardiologist in practice 31 years, so every single patient knows that nutrition matters, that whole foods matter, and that the best whole foods are plant whole foods. And many of them have benefited enormously in terms of uh, heart and other aspects of their health. So it's been a great joy to be able to know how to prescribe medication, surgery, procedures, but work hard not to ever have people need them by uh, educating people on nutrition. So it's a real one-two punch that's just great. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, that's great. So where, how did you become vegan? I don't know if people ask you that enough. They probably just ask yeah, you just, all the doctor questions, uh, but vegans, curiosity. Just that growing up and adopting. Uh, so just to seal the story, that was age 18, 1977. It's called the East Quadrangle of the University of Michigan. It's a dorm, and that cafeteria made me vegan. Oh. But about maybe four years ago, I was in the capital of Michigan, Lansing, Michigan, lecturing to a huge room. I think there were about a thousand dietitians in the room, their annual meeting on plant-based nutrition. Anyways, at the end of the meeting, a nice gentleman walked up to me, probably about 70, 75 years old, and he had a name badge. I didn't recognize it. And he goes, I was very important in your life. I said, well, that's great. Who are you? You're not my father. <laughs> and he said, I was the food director of the dormitory you were in freshman year. It was my budget and my food. And you made a very good choice. The food in the salad bar was far healthier than what we were allowed on a dollar a day to feed students. And uh, you should credit me from now on. So I'm giving him a shout out. I have a picture. <laughs> I have his picture with his name badge. I probably should go back and remind myself, but, uh, you know, odd pass. Not everybody has a health crisis. Not everybody has an awakening of ethics, which is a beautiful thing if you have that awakening, that as you're cutting in a chicken breast, you're cutting in the same animal that's in a farm going cluck, cluck, or cutting into veal, you're cutting into Mary had a little lamb. Uh, people that have that epiphany, it's great. But uh, I don't care how people get there. I, I'd like them to get there before a health crisis. But even if you are a health crisis, uncontrolled diabetes, blood pressure, obesity, heart disease, certain cancers, uh, endocrine disorders, you know, wherever you get there, we welcome you. I think this is a club that has great kindness and great acceptance, and we need to keep growing. So I think you already said it. we got to make it simple. Right. And too many rules... And, uh, you know, we don't have politics in our little vegan club and we don't, you know, the bash on people in our little vegan club because we're only two or three percent of the population. We should be 20 percent, in my opinion, right now growing to, you know, 50 percent plus because it's it's incredible. I just came from the grocery store by coincidence and I always stop at my little special corner. That's all the processed uh, plant based alternatives. And some of them are not very healthy, but. You know, sunflower seed cheeses that are out now Ooh. and i did no you know it's just a little bit on a cracker you know right. in fact yeah i know you guys just shared with me you're of italian origin i didn't buy it but it was a nice wedge of parmigiano reggiano oh, yeah perfetto <laughs> a little little too much coconut oil for my uh yeah. you know usual 
area. But honestly, just to try a, a shred, because <laughs> that's a pretty special cheese that comes out of, uh, uh, I don't know if it's out of Parma. I don't know where, actually, I think it's southern Italy, because that's where I see all the bufalino, uh, you know, in the back. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Where, that's of where... Um, uh, when a caprese salad, mozzarella, bufalino mozzarella, comes from southern Italy. I toured that area and kind of vegan food tours, so I didn't partake in the bufalino. But anyways, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> we nice. want people worldwide. Just come join us, and we won't judge you. You For do sure. it right. You veer off a little bit. Come back. Exactly. Yeah. Like even if you're just interested, you know, you're already a hero that you incorporate vegan food in your diet, you know, even if you're not a hundred percent. Who's really a hundred percent? I mean, us as vegans, we don't say we're a hundred percent, you know, what but we do our best, you know, to right. contribute to contribute to a better world. Mm -hmm. And I do give credit to people that go that extra mile. You know, you'd have to literally you can't wear wool. So that already right. Excludes a lot of us. You're not going to wear leather. Your car can't have leather seats. And, you know, you create extra hurdles. And I really do entirely honor people that have done every one of those. And there are a lot of them. I'm an evolving human being. And I don't buy leather goods anymore. But I've got a few shoes in my closet I haven't dumped. Right. I live in Michigan. When the snow gets bad, sometimes those cloth shoes just don't work. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Fair, fair enough. There's I think it's it's exciting to see all the growth of the industries around veganism and certainly clothes, perfume, makeup, uh, you know, personal products are just some of those that are surrounding the vegan movement. You know, you see the car companies, Tesla, and we just saw Nordstrom's announce they're not going to carry any exotic leathers or furs anymore. I mean, there are wow. great happening. Yeah. Uh, it's going to get just simpler and simpler to actually be close to 100 percent totally. totally yeah such yeah. a young movement but such a powerful movement you know it's evolving so quick i mean you can get cacti leather now that's amazing yeah pineapple leather yeah wow so many, many alternatives people, many people credit 1944 when the british vegan society was founded by donald watson that's when the word vegan was created it didn't exist so you're right it's not a very long movement there are examples of people in the past perhaps even a couple thousand years ago that their diets seem to be all plant-based like pythagoras but it is a young movement and the medical support for it's a young movement and our health crisis in the united states and western countries is a relatively sadly young movement so you're right we got lots of growth to look forward to right yeah, yeah so what does a typical day for you i guess eating wise look like yeah, it's good. I'm sure um, it changes day to day, but <laughs> just yeah. give us an overview of your favorites. Yeah, yeah exactly. That you like to incorporate. Uh, wake up with some gratitude, some workout, always some good black coffee, sometimes Italian roast, always organic yeah. whenever <laughs> can. Um, breakfast is 50 50. I'm not anti breakfast. Um, it's a matter of timing and the schedule I'm on. Uh, we're recording this on a weekend, and I'll typically have a little bit more of a luxurious plant-based, vegetable-based frittata, but, you know, obviously no eggs. Uh, but often I'll just leave the house without breakfast. Um, I will bring my lunch to work 100% of the time. I don't outsource my lunch, and I have a wonderful active practice in suburban Detroit of preventive and plant-based cardiology that attracts people. Fortunately, I can say from all over the world, it's very exciting. 
But in the days when I was in more typical cardiology practices, it was pepperoni pizzas being brought in, <laughs> Philadelphia cheese. It was the worst food in the world. Right. You know, drug, drug representatives had budgets and they knew what staff liked and often what the cardiologists like. It was horrible. I never ate that stuff. Maybe the salad that was next to the pepperoni pizza, but that was about it. But I've been bringing my life forever and I don't bring it in plastic anymore. I bring it in glass containers or metal containers. It could be anything. It, uh, it can go from grains to beans to vegetables to salads to uh, diversity. My wife, right. my wife is a very, very good cook, and very often it's the leftovers or things she made. And for years, I owned a pretty high-end plant-based restaurant in Detroit. We closed it right before COVID, not knowing that was coming. So I have another one in Detroit that's still open, and yeah, I'll bring food from there. It's very high-end, uh, real food, and dinner. I mean, same thing. I, you know, for all of us, I haven't gone out to dinner more than once or twice. And I know all the little pockets in Detroit that have amazing plant-based foods on the menu. I don't even have to you know, change anything. That's not like it was 20 years ago where it was a baked potato and broccoli typically while everybody else was eating something else. But I had my rules and I never violated them. I wasn't eating shrimp cocktails out and not at home. Never, you know, that's 44 years of not doing that. Um <laughs> In fact, I don't eat shrimp cocktails because of the Jewish dietary law. Shrimp isn't on the menu. But, you know, bottom line is it's colorful. It's whole. It's fruits. I'm an apple freak. Love apples. It's every vegetable on the planet. I just bought dandelion greens and, you know, artichokes and, you know, I'm trying to think what else I just, you know, put in there. Uh, organic cucumbers. I mean, I'll eat any vegetable. Every bean, lentil, pea in the world. Uh, so sprouted if possible, canned if I want to have a quick fix in an organic, you know, source in a can that doesn't have BPA plastic lining. Right. And then whole grains. I'm not gluten sensitive, so I will eat 100% whole grains, whether they're buckwheat, amaranth, spelt, uh, whether they're 100%, you know, whole wheat, uh, breads and such. Uh, bring them on. They're all good. <laughs> they're all good to know. Yeah. All right, we're going to get some... Uh, Amaro, a little digestivo before you go to bed. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to some uh, interesting questions. Uh, there's okay. a lot of talk about TMAO. That's this whoa. new, yeah, whoa, it's brand new-ish coming in. Uh, can you give yeah. us an overview of why it's not a good thing for the human body and just how it kind of all works? You can keep it pretty brief. I know it can go pretty uh, Two in minutes. depth. I jumped, <laughs> I jumped on the TMAO bandwagon in 2011 because that's really when the exciting human research came out. But bottom line was three researchers at the Cleveland Clinic who specialize in cardiovascular disease and may ultimately be Nobel Prize candidates in medicine, sat down using artificial artificial intelligence and said there has to be more things causing heart disease than what we typically are testing for. Using AI, they identified three compounds, one of which was trimethylamine N oxide, better described as TMAO. They did some human studies. They got a lead. This may be actually a factor in creating heart disease. It's found in the blood. They went back to basic science and identified that TMAO causes cholesterol to deposit in arteries prevents cholesterol from being removed from arteries and also causes blood to clot, which is a perfect 
formula to create havoc in our arteries, heart attacks, strokes, leg disease, sexual dysfunction due to vascular problems. They then found real quickly in animal models and human volunteers, if you eat red meat and you eat egg yolk, there are compounds in them that will cause your microbiome, your gut bacteria, and your liver to create TMO in the blood. If you stop eating red meat and you stop eating egg yolk, you usually won't have, and vegans typically don't have TMA levels in the blood. They also showed that rarely fish may have preformed TMAO, usually very deep water fish that aren't very common on the menu, like gar and sturgeon, because it helps fish be buoyant in the very depths of the ocean. And then they also showed if you take a supplement that has L-carnitine or choline, it may actually be capable of raising your TMAO, beware, beware. Even if you drink a monster drink, there's usually a lot of L-carnitine in it, so beware, beware. And the best thing to do is not to eat red meat and egg yolk. Now, there's been a blood test for about five years. I've drawn TMAO levels in thousands of patients. Uh, it works. Tell them to stop eating red meat. Tell them to stop eating egg yolk. Their level comes down or examine their vitamins, examine their energy drinks. Um, and there's just been now close to 2,000 research papers that you do not want TMAO elevated in your bloodstream and you can typically avoid it. The Mediterranean diet, which typically doesn't have much egg yolk red meat, but it has you know, a lot of the goodness of the garden, uh, typically is a low TMAO diet. Um, the Cleveland Clinic is searching for a blocker. They may be able to patent, which unfortunately means you could eat your red meat, your egg yolk, and not raise your TMAO level. I hope they don't rush to find that too quick. I'd rather just people do it with upgraded diets. So TMAO, you could ask your doctor at any Quest lab, can you draw my TMAO level? And if you're taking a supplement of L-carnitine, choline, or you're eating a lot of red meat or egg yolk, it might be a very reasonable thing to have measured. If you're six is the upper limits of normal, if patients, their blood level is 100. I mean, and that could be very dangerous to their health. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to know. And let me just add one last thing to keep it really topical. Yeah. There just was a study published out of Stanford University four weeks ago. A very prominent researcher, Chris Gardner, PhD, got volunteers who for um, eight weeks ate two beef burgers a day. And then for eight weeks, ate two Beyond Meat burgers a day. I don't really like the Beyond Meat burger for its ingredients, but it is red meat free. Sure. One of the measures was TMAO levels. And as you might expect by what I just said, TMAO levels were low on the Beyond Meat burger and were high on the red beef patty, red meat patty, as anticipated by this research. But it's one of the first clues that's switching from beef to plant foods, including even some of the higher fat uh, plant burgers, is still potentially an upgrade to your health. Now, I'd rather you just learn to make a good quinoa <laughs> lentil or black bean burger at home and really keep the uh, added coconut oil levels fairly low. Yeah, totally. yeah. yeah we agree on that. Yeah, we Whole we're not a big fan of coconut oil. I like oil, a good black it? bean burger. We make yeah, it ourselves. It's just... You know, yeah, throw it all into a food processor, put them in the oven. Quick. Yeah, it's just quick. So, if you read the labels, some of the big chains, at least in the states, I don't have ties. Trader Joe's, Aldi's, which I think is a German company. It is, yeah. Yeah. Um, they have plant-based burgers they've recently introduced have much less coconut oil. So, mm. I will dabble in those a little bit. They're very simple ingredients compared to 
a very long list you find in, you know, the, the leading impossible burger, Beyond Meat Burger. But I will say, if we're going to go beyond 2%, 3% vegan, I'm excited it's in Burger King. I'm excited. <laughs> I think McDonald's in England just announced they may add the Beyond Meat Burger as a test country. Nice. I mean, that's we're going to reach more people and see less cows slaughtered for our food chain because people are going to like these. They already like them. The price sure. difference is already... I am a mile from a grocery store, and I went in price shop because I did a TV show on all this last week. Um, and the difference between a good cut of lean red meat uh, pound and a Beyond Meat burger pound was about a dollar difference. It's not like three times the price anymore. Oh. It was. I mean, if you buy the lowest quality beef burger, it might be. Uh, down there, but if you're trying to focus on you know what's sold to the public as the better cuts, not much price difference anymore. That's great. Right. That's great. To That's hear. great. Speaking about kind of unhealthy foods, um, a lot of talk difference between you know does saturated fat cause heart disease? Does dietary cholesterol cause heart disease? Does sugar cause you know heart disease? Um, what's your take on kind of those three things that people are kind of <laughs> Back and forth. Oh, my These are my hot buttons, but I'm yeah. glad and <laughs> the research or we have the same brain. Again, I'll try and be brief. Um, after World War II, at least in the United States, but also in other countries in Europe, we started to see a rise in heart attacks. Young, usually men, not only, 45 years old, started dropping dead of heart attacks. It was really a big problem, 1948, 1949, 1950. The government in the United States and other places started spending sizable dollars. Why do people have heart attacks? Because, you know, we didn't get this on two tablets at Mount Sinai. We have to do science. Right. And quickly, smoking and blood pressure and cholesterol and diabetes and genetic mom, dad, brother, sister, early heart attacks. But that's not really the root cause. So some really forward-thinking scientists, epidemiologists, nutritionists, quickly did some uh, evaluation, uh, retrospective, then prospective. And at first it was thought all fats in the diet may relate to heart attack, but we were able to focus down and much more significantly from a statistical standpoint was saturated fat, red meat, lard, butter, cheese, egg yolk, croissants, and coconut oil. Right. And this was quickly made public information by the early 70s. The country of Finland was suffering the highest heart attack rate in the Western world. It was insanely high. They instituted a public health program in the late 60s called the North Carolina. Um, I think I got that right. For some reason, my brain's uh, stopping for a minute. <laughs> um, program. And in five years, by just shifting the food with lower saturated fat, they actually got the sausage makers to put some beans in the sausage, lowered the saturated fat. They institute margarine instead of butter. Nobody likes margarine, but they did. Heart attack rates fell 85% in five years. Wow. They ex wow. expanded the public health effort to the whole country. The whole country benefited shortly thereafter. Interestingly, other things improved. Uh, cancer rates fell. Overall death rates fell. So saturated fat is the real deal. You want to eat a low saturated fat diet, which is why when you flip those plant-based burgers and the first ingredient is coconut oil, 85% saturated fat. You should beware. 
Now, in 2010, with a lot of dairy money funding and later some beef and egg funding, articles and Time magazine and TV shows and a book called The Big Fat Surprise in 2014 tried to question 50, 60 years of science. And they did it very effectively using the media and they brought confusion to the public and many health figures started saying, oh, we got it all wrong, there's no connection. So. I report on this stuff, and just two months ago, what's considered the highest level scientific review body in the world, it's called the Cochrane Database out of the UK. They looked at all the data and they said, no, nobody got it wrong. You lower saturated fat in the diet by eliminating butter, lard, eggs, cheese, red meats, fatty marbled meats, but it includes chicken and fish, which are sources of saturated fat, croissants, things baked in butter and lard. You will lower your risk of heart disease. Not one media outlet except my blogs and YouTube's <laughs> report. And to this day, I think I've seen two or three reports on it that I didn't generate myself. But any time a report comes out that suggests you can eat meat, butter, and eggs and not have a rise in heart disease risk, makes headlines worldwide. It's a very, very black stain on the media. Um, and it's funded by you know this enormous multi-billion dollar food industry that's you know, fighting the change to go healthier and more plant-based. And, uh, you know, the meat farmer and the dairy farmer are kind of the uh, taxi cab driver of 10 years ago. They're going to see their industry disrupted by, you know, changes in palate, changes in technology. It's happening right now. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. What about, so you don't think sugar has any effect maybe on... Like, uh, is she like white sugar? Thank you for bringing that back up. So that was the debate of the 1960s and 1971 particularly because the leading researcher in the United States, Ansel Keys, PhD in Minneapolis, had an adversary in England, John Yudkin, MD. Yudkin was arguing it was sugar. Um, Keys wasn't arguing. He had data that statistically the amount of saturated fat in your diet was a much stronger predictor than sugar. Sugar did predict heart disease, but when you deal with statistics, there's those that are more powerful predictors and those that are less powerful. Um, On a a basic science basis, sugar doesn't directly cause atherosclerosis. It's related to heart disease. We know that in the United States now, the more sugar you drink in beverages like Coca-Cola, the higher is your risk of heart disease. Is -hmm. it indirect? If you gain weight, you get fat around your belly, you get insulin resistant, your triglycerides go up, your HDL goes down, you get inflammation. I mean, all experts know that the message has to be manied, and it's lower saturated fat, lower animal products, and lower added sugar. Eat fruit. That's why I'm a freak for apples, but lower <laughs> added sugar. And when you eat a whole food plant-based diet without too many treats, you're going <laughs> to eat a low saturated fat and a low added sugar diet, which is why boom, boom, it's so powerful. Right. Amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to get into some questions. Yeah, some, from our audience. Some audience <laughs> questions. Hopefully, Rapid they fire. don't catch you on off guard. But <laughs> yeah. I hope. Hope so. You oh, you hope it. they do. You okay. know, you're already trained with Joe Rogan, okay. right? Yeah, if you can battle Joe Rogan, Chris Cresser, I'm sure you'd you, be fine. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I did. I got a tough question from Rogan on that show. It was about TMAO and fish. Right. Very honest. There's hardly any data, but that's right. what prompts you to go back, study the literature, and I wrote a blog article updating, and I've kept up in the literature. I mean, nobody can know every 
nuance. And if you find a nuance you don't know about, you go study it. So let's see if I learned something new here today. <laughs> Probably it's not, but, but we'll see. <laughs> How's that? This is the Pimp the Doctor section. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So a viewer or a listener, I guess we could call him for a podcast, uh, asked... Uh, how do you justify encouraging pregnant women and growing children to be vegan when it's never been done in all of human history? And there's not a single uh, case study on healthy second generation vegan adults from conception. Uh, just go, go find Alicia Silverstone from uh, the movie <laughs> Clueless and ask her about her, I think now 10 year old son named Bear, uh, how healthy he is. That's, you know, that's anecdotal, but, you know, there, there are thousands, tens of thousands, maybe more of children that have never eaten an animal product from the day they're born. They may have started with breast milk. I don't you know, call it mother's nutrition, but then they were transitioned over. I did not do that with my children who are in their late 20s and 30s. Um, probably should have. Uh, interestingly, as many people will know, I think Dr. Benjamin Spock, the big child doctor guru of the past, had nine editions of his book. And in the last edition, he completely transformed his nutrition advice to uh, recommend whole food plant diets to families and children. But really, you can go to the United States organization, which has over 100,000 members, the Association of Nutrition and Dietetics, representing registered dietitians. And maybe it's as much as four years ago now, they had a position paper approved by the organization that at every age, pre-pregnancy, pregnancy, pregnancy uh, infancy, childhood, young adults, and on to old adults, a properly planned vegetarian or vegan diet. Now, it's not chips and Mountain Dew. It's <laughs> yeah. all the colors and all the foods. And you don't even have to count macronutrients. But, you know, you have to have a pretty broad palate, do perfectly well. We have so many examples that we know it. It's right. absolutely right. true. We don't have a society that's 100% vegan that we can point to. You know, the Okinawans ate less than 10% of their calories. Some people say less than 5% from animal products. Uh, and they had longevity and health till KFC right. showed up. We don't have 100% carnivore communities. And nobody's beating them up. I don't know if they're right. raising their children carnivore. Um, you know, humans are pretty resilient. I mean, we need omega-3. I mean, there's no doubt. We got to get omega-3 from uh, chia, flax, hemp, walnuts, greens, uh, more supplementation. And I think, you know, you want to pay attention to that at, at every age. But consult, uh, you know, a plant. There is a plant-based pediatrician on, you know, social media. There are experts like the plant-based dietitian, Juliana Hever. Uh, read books, you know, and get informed. But you absolutely can do it. I mean, there's, uh, I don't take care of children, so I don't directly get involved in, you know, recommendations to patients of mine. I see adults in my cardiology clinic. Right. But I wouldn't be concerned if it's not those bizarre examples, I mean, you don't feed a child green juice as their source of nutrition. Plus, <laughs> it's surrounded by lots of whole foods that give you, you know, you don't have to focus on it, but adequate plant protein, adequate plant fats, and adequate plant complex carbohydrates. Yeah. Right. Totally. So true. I have another question. One of our audience is asking, when I was a two-year vegan, I noticed a little bump under my nipple, which grew for some more month. I had it tested and it turned out to be a gyno... Uh, Gynocomastia? Yeah. I was 38. Uh, what could have caused it? 
I never had these before. Dr. John McDougall once said, such things happen due to hormone imbalance. Says after so many years of drinking milk. What do you think about that? Right. And, you know, is, is even the best constructed whole food plant-based diet a guarantee to never have illness? And I would always advise people, it's not <laughs> yeah. guarantee. It's, it's really not responsible for either the health professionals or the followers. Say, I don't need a doctor. I don't need lab work. I don't need to right. see somebody when I have proper age for a mammogram, a thermogram, a colonoscopy, or what's called Cologuard, or even a heart checkup. You know, there are genetic influences on most illnesses that diet alone can't overcome, even if diet is such a strong factor. So right. I believe by guess, not guess. I mean, the other part is I've got 18 years not vegan and 44 years vegan. That's a lot of years. Uh, not, you know, uh, bragging about it, but I see people <laughs> all the time. I've been vegan one year. Well, you've got a lot of years and exposures to uh, pesticides, herbicides, you know, hormones, antibiotics that were in your meat chain, um, plastics in the environment. We can't hide from all these factors. Air pollution is a real health issue. It's not, a, you know, a woo health issue. So, you know, food is the basis of good health. It's not the only factor in good health. Uh, or we could, you know, smoke all day and be plant-based and come out fine. No, you can't do that. It's still a factor. Right. So that person needs evaluation. Um, I assume it's a male. It is. I mean, mm -hmm. there are people. There's there's a case report of a man who is chugging. I think it's four liters of soy milk a right. day and developing a mastia. That's about the only actual scientific reference when I looked at it two years ago that existed in the medical literature. Mm -hmm. And that's not very rational to drink four liters of processed soy milk a day. I'd rather you eat some edamame, some tempeh, some you know, organic tofu, but mix it up with other food sources. Uh, but we do know that, in fact, plant-based estrogens, so-called phytoestrogens, actually block the estrogen receptor, which is why there's a lower risk of breast cancer. They don't stimulate the estrogen receptor. Your beef burger If it's a female cow, will have estrogen, or if it's almost any cow, will have been injected with hormones. That animal-based estrogen does directly activate the estrogen receptor and may cause growth of abnormal breast tissues or uterine tissues or uh, ovarian tissues or colorectal tissues. So beware the animal sources. I yeah, see. I agree. Yeah. They have the actual, you know, hormones and the actual estrogens. And They do. And pro-estrogens in it. Uh, okay, so on to another one. So is there a link between eating plant-based diet and improved uh, cognitive ability, especially in the aging population that face, all, uh, sorry, that face Alzheimer's and dementia? I so hoped it was the sexual question, but we went to the brain. <laughs> sorry, oh, we I don't get to, to the, make them. Went to the upper brain, lower brain. But anyways. They're connected. Truly <laughs> Dr. Ornish, Dean Ornish, MD of San Francisco, a hero by any regard in the scientific world, announced recently he's launched a prospective randomized study, much like his heart research of the 1980s and his prostate research of the 1990s to 2000s. He's going to be studying people with mild cognitive impairment, some condition that has risk to going on to the definition of Alzheimer's. Nobody's ever shown you can reverse Alzheimer's. Maybe we can, but you probably can reverse this pre-stage. So we'll have some solid prospective data, and I don't know if that's going to take two or three years, uh, but that's exciting. Um, in general, it, you know, it's not enough to focus on a whole food plant-based diet. There have been 
at a variety of times reports that vegetarian diets are associated with depression when you dig deep in those studies they're horrible statistics or horrible association studies like is true of some or maybe even most nutritional epidemiology they're uh, scattered reports all over the place about better mood and better uh, affect with uh, cleaner diets and whole food diets and in terms of memory function I mean a lot of Dementia is vascular dementia, either the big arteries, carotids, vertebrals, uh, internal carotid arteries, or the very tiny microvascular vessels that are harder to image. And that's cholesterol, blood pressure, blood sugar, inflammation. And we know that clean plant diets are anti-inflammatory, tend to lower blood sugar, blood cholesterol, blood pressure. So they (laughs) should work, but we have to study it. And I would certainly recommend it. Dr. Neil Barnard, 10 years ago, wrote a book about whole food plant diets and brain function and recommend to anybody or the Alzheimer's solution by the Dr. Shurzai of two years ago. I'd recommend that book to anybody. Amazing. Yeah. It's good to know. Yeah. Okay. This is probably the most generalist question you'll get, but how do you prevent heart disease? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure uh, you could talk for 10 hours on this, oh, yeah. but I well, think I mean, we know the answer. Again, during this period that I mentioned where heart attack rates rose in many Western countries, including the United States and Canada, we learned it's called the Framingham Study, Framingham Risk Score, Framingham Risk Factors, smoking, diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, mom, dad, brother, sister having early heart attacks. Well, you can't necessarily change your family history. Don't follow their bad habits. But avoid smoking, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and diabetes. And much of the time, you can do that as early in life as possible with fitness and a plant-forward whole food diet. So just get on the bandwagon early, and hopefully you'll be like me at approaching age 62 without any of those diagnoses. And uh, I would wish that on everybody too, and being no medication. Now, beyond that, there are genetics. I urge all my patients, and I write blogs to urge everybody, get a few extra labs, do a blood test called high sensitivity C-reactive protein to know if you have inflammation markers in your blood. It's inexpensive. Maybe get a three-month blood sugar called hemoglobin A1C. There's other things you can do like fasting insulin. My favorite, and the topic of a book I published in March, check a genetic cholesterol called lipoprotein little a if i may for a minute that's the cover of the book only because i have it sitting right there and it's an (laughs) it's an awkward word lipoprotein little a the heart's quiet killer of course the book's in booksellers online lipoprotein little a is inherited in 25 percent of us that's about 1.8 billion people worldwide and it can clog your arteries and clog your brain vessels and cause heart valves to get scarred and damaged nobody checks it it's a simple and expensive blood test and diet doesn't control it so why does a vegan have a heart attack very often nobody's measured their lipoprotein little a and it should be measured once in your life that's what new guidelines from the european society of cardiology recommended in late 2019 um how else do you prevent heart disease you know check i want to just real quickly at age 50 or 45 a woman's recommended to have a mammogram a thermogram a guy and a gal are recommended to have colonoscopy what about the ticker So this is not a vegan platform, this is a cardiology platform. 25 years ago, we got a gift. We got a CT scan that now for about $75 in Detroit, 
taking 10 seconds of just holding your breath in a circular CT scanner, about the same radiation as a mammogram, you can find out if you have silent heart disease. And if you find out you don't, you don't screw up your lifestyle and go off your diet, you stay on your path. But if you have silent heart disease, you got to intensify it and get some extra blood work and work on all that. That's called a heart calcium CT scan. And it's so easy and so inexpensive around the age 45 or 50, or maybe even a little younger if you smoke, diabetic, or have a scary family history. Um, so there is the technology to screen for silent heart disease. Uh, and I recommend that people uh, do that. Uh, it in the United States usually takes a prescription from a physician and many physicians 25 years later are unfamiliar with this. I did write a book about three years ago called Dead Execs Don't Get Bonuses, How to Survive Your Career uh, with a Healthy Heart. And it, a lot of it was about being sure uh, that you get this test done and find out the zero results, which is what you want, no signs of plaque. So I'm a right. 62, almost zero vegan with a calcium score of zero just a couple months ago. And well, I did congratulations. it. Congratulations. Well, <laughs> it, it wasn't genetics. My father uh, had heart disease early in life and my mother had hypertension early in life. Right. But earlier you start this path, your path, the better off you'll be when you hit your 60s and 70s. And if you're 60 or 70, just start now anyways. Right. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. never too late to improve your health. Yeah, I don't think it's ever too no. late. Never, never, never. Because, you know, you can change the health of your gut in two weeks by going whole food plant-based. Totally. You can the health of your arteries in two to four weeks by going whole food plant-based. People talk about their mood and their affect improving two to four weeks, getting off crap, getting on whole food plant-based. So it doesn't take long and age is not the factor. No, not no, at all. Not well, at all. Do you have any exciting future plans? Yeah. Where can the listeners find more about you and, and what you yeah. do? Um, the most central spot is a website, drjoelkahn.com, D-R- J-O-E-L-K-A-H-N.com. And it links to my clinic in Detroit, but I see people from all over the world at my books and some of my blogs, not all of my blogs. I wish I could keep it up to date. I've got some national TV show appearances. Everything now is by Zoom or Skype, which is easier than flying to LA. But you know, <laughs> when Dr. Phil, when Dr. Phil calls you, you don't say no to Dr. Phil. You don't say no to Dr. Phil. No, Definitely not. You can't. You, you drop our call and go to Dr. Phil. <laughs> number one daytime show uh, in America. So that's coming up actually tomorrow. Uh, it'll air in a couple months. You know, they record these. So right. I'm always staying busy. And frankly, I'm always trying to learn, excuse me, uh, something new. Um, something new that's plant-based, cardiology, preventive, and just keeps me going all the time. Um, so, yeah, but it's really simple, like we started with eat whole plant foods, brightly colored and wonderful combinations. Go find some Mediterranean or Blue Zones recipe. And I'm always posting from Forks Over Knives or Blue Zones or other great sources. It's just simple, easy chickpeas with walnuts, with <laughs> pomegranates, with a few spices and olive oil. I mean, it's one of the most gorgeous salad in the world. And you break it down, what's in there fiber and omega-3 and magnesium and plant proteins and complex carbohydrates for the gut and you know it's just wonderful and simple i'm gonna go home i think and make a a chickpea stew that's called chuchatka from algeria that i saw on the website i mean you know, have some fun with all this yeah exactly yeah have oh, fun you're, you're so inspiring you know and your message you. and 
Oh. I'm sure our audience, they learned a lot today and mm -hmm. we can't wait to hear more from you. you know? Yeah, and see you on Dr. Phil. Exactly. <laughs> right. Keep, keep on right. healing the world. Well, you too, because we have to be a team. It's no one single person and everybody has their own avenue and audience. And that's why I always love to you know, share a few thoughts with your audience. Thank you. That's yeah. great. Thank you so yeah, much for your you time so and uh, keep on vegan powering. <laughs> Yeah. You bet. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank Sounds you. Good. Take care. All right. Take Bye. care. Ciao, Dr. Khan. All right. Ciao. Ciao.